Well, this morning we're starting, as Mark said, a new series, just a short series, entitled The Authentic Christian Life. And this morning I want to, to share about abiding in Christ. We're going to look at uh, John chapter 15 this morning, and over the coming weeks just um, see what flows out of that. Um, but as you know, Jesus spoke about the fact that he is the vine and we are the branches. And that chapter belongs to a, a greater chapter. Some say starting at chapter 13, others at 14, but 13, 14, 15, 16 and 17, which is called the farewell discourse of Jesus. Basically, Jesus' special words to his disciples on the final night before he went to the cross. The last day of the old covenant. Amen. And he was instructing them about the new life. Now, it's quite amazing how many Christians can read this chapter about the vine and the branches and even preachers can preach it as if it's a salvation message and even to the point that if you do not bear fruit, you can lose your salvation. You probably heard that because it talks about branches being taken away and even burned and straight away people see a heaven or hell situation in that kind of terminology. Um, even though Jesus has said right throughout this book that eternal life comes through believing in him. It's got nothing to do with what you do or don't do. Amen. It's what he did at the cross that sealed it. He said, whoever believes in me has passed from death into life and will not come into judgment. Amen. Later on he said that um, whoever comes to me I will in no wise cast out. And yet people say, yes, but what about... No, hang on, you didn't hear what Jesus said. He said, in no wise. In no way. You're creating a way when he said there is no way. Forget it. Whoever comes to me I will in no wise cast out. You can trust him. You can lean upon him. He will keep you safe. He will bring you to eternity. Amen? This salvation is not to do with... Sorry, this passage is not to do with salvation. Jesus is telling us how to be fruitful. And, and, and we are fruitful by abiding in Christ. He's basically saying, look at me. Look at the fruit, the abundant fruit, the harvest that's come from my life. What was the secret? What was the key? Well, I live by abiding in my Father's love. Now, as I uh, live that way, so you abide in me. And you too will be fruitful. So he's telling us the key to enjoying fruit in our life. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it bear, may bear more fruit. Amen? Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Amen? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. 
And then in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and so on. What do you think Jesus is wanting us to know in this passage? It's very clear. He says it over and over and over and over again. The way to bear fruit is to abide in Christ. Amen? So, you know, this was a new day that was about to dawn. If you were a disciple in the days of Jesus, then Jesus had a word for you and that's follow me. Follow me. And it might be a good idea to bring your cross with you because that's where I'm ending up. Amen? But now Jesus is not here. I can't follow him. I cannot follow him. Uh, He's gone to heaven. So he has a new word and that word is abide. Abiding has replaced following. Now what does it mean to abide? To abide means to be in a relationship and fellowship with another person and to remain in fellowship with that person. Amen. See, we have the mind of Christ. Amen. As born-again Christians, we have the mind. You know, in many situations, you know what the Lord requires of you. You have his word. You know his will. Amen. And so we, 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 we say yes to that. We say, Lord, I'm available now to you, as we've just heard. You purchased my body on the cross. My body is not my own. It belongs to you. It's for you to live your life through me. Now, as we do that resting in Jesus, trusting in him, then we experience his life flowing through us. You know, when a branch is grafted into a vine, what life does that branch begin to experience? The life of the vine, of course. When we are grafted into Christ, what life do we experience? His life, as we've just heard. We experience divine life, supernatural life. Amen. And we, we, we learn to live in the power of his life, trusting in him, abiding in him. I can't. He never said I could. He can. He always said he would. Amen. There are many things I can't do. But I must not reckon on my fleshly ability or resources. But now the fact that I'm connected to Jesus. I cannot overcome sin. Can you? Have you tried? <laughs> Good luck. I can't. But did he overcome sin? Yes, he did. And I'm joined to him. I've died to sin, actually. I've been buried with Christ. I've been raised to newness of life. I don't need to try to overcome sin. I need to reckon myself to be dead to sin and alive to God now. Amen? And then I experience his life. I cannot live a holy life in my own strength. I can't do that. But is he holy? Yes, he is. And as I abide in him and trust in him, then his life begins to manifest in holiness in my life. I am not a patient person. I am impatient by nature. But is he a patient person? Yes, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And it's not my patience, not me trying to, you know, Lord, give me patience. He gave me his life, complete package. He gave me everything. Amen? And so, really, 
This might sound strange, but the only thing I will ever be rewarded for is that which I never did. (laughs) That which he did. Amen? In fact, he will say to those who did things, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? I never knew you. Good on you. You did that. That's nothing to do with me. You initiated it. It was done in your strength and quite frankly it was done for your glory. Well, you've had your reward. Amen? But the abiding life is experiencing his life flowing through us. Something which we cannot take credit for. He gets the glory. The Bible says that by bearing fruit my father is glorified. Amen? And we experience abundant fruit. Praise God. Now, Jesus said, I am the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. That word true is the word alethinos. It means true as opposed to counterfeit, or that which is simulated or replicated. Replica, that's a good word, isn't it? You remember when Moses went up into the mountain, and, and the Lord showed him the pattern. In fact, he saw the heavenly sanctuary, And God said, now, you've seen the pattern, go down and make a replica of that. So the earthly tabernacle and later the temple was a replica of the true sanctuary in heaven. Amen? Jesus is a minister of the sanctuary of the true, that's the word, alethinos, tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. And, And yet the problem is that when Jesus came and opened up the heavenly sanctuary to us, rent the veil so that we might go in, the Jews wanted to stay with the replica. (laughs) Amen? So that word means true as opposed to that which is simulated or uh, replicated or it can also mean true as opposed to that which is counterfeit. Because you see, friends, many people will pose as a vine to you. They will present themselves as a vine to you, as a life source to you. Or you could look to them in that, with that kind of expectation that you want them to be what God never intended them to be to you. Your very life source. He is the true vine. Now God has blessed us with many things, many spiritual blessings, But we we need to be careful we don't turn those things into a vine. For example, the local church. The local church. God has blessed us with a local church. It's his plan, his his idea. He's never changed it. (laughs) It will be his plan until he comes back. Amen. Where we can grow together, we can share together, we can minister to one another and so on. But this is not the vine. Somebody once phoned me up and, and began to share with me all all the needs he has. And then he said, you know, um, I, I want to come to your church, but, but this is what I look, I'm looking for. These are my expectations. And then he said to me, now you're not going to let me down, are you, like all the other churches? <laughs> and I just said, let, let, let me just share something with you. I said, we're not into codependency. We're into Christ dependency. Our role is to help you connect to God, to Jesus, who will be everything you need. Amen. Amen. Never heard from him. <laughs> he never came. See, that's not. We're not here to. For, there's, there's, I, I, 
Codependency is one of my pet hates, to be honest. When I see people living like a parasite of someone else, trying to suck from them the life which they should be seeking from Jesus. And you know what? There's only one thing worse than codependency, and that's spiritual codependency. Amen? If I present myself to you as a vine, as as a teacher, as a pastor, as a leader, but then I present myself to you as a vine that you need me, I'm actually doing something that, that other forms of codependency don't do. I'm denying you access to God. He is the one. Jesus is your vine. Amen? Amen. I'm actually disempowering you, the one whom Christ has empowered by his grace and by his strength, teaching you to live from me. Amen? And I say this, you know, God has blessed you with churches, with teachers, with leaders, but if you look to any of them, Expect to be disappointed. Expect to be disappointed with your church, with your leader, with your pastor and so on. Now somebody might be listening to this message and say, well, you know what, I've been going to my church for years and I've never been disappointed. Well, be patient. (laughs) Some people are just impatient. (laughs) Amen. So Jesus said, I am the true vine. Isn't it interesting? The first thing that Jesus speaks about in this passage is the vine dresser, the gardener. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Why did he do that? Because the vine is the father's idea. Amen? The vine was planted by the gardener. The vine is the glory of the father. The gardener. The branches are the glory of the vine, but the vine is the glory of the Father. Amen? And and, and so the, the Father loves the vine. And because he loves the vine, he loves the branches. And he's committed to the vine. He's going to tend it, he's going to look after it, he didn't just plant it and leave it and walk away. He is there to tend to the vine. Amen? And, um, That's why Jesus mentioned him first. But then he goes on to speak about the branches. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I've just put there in brackets. This is so important. You know, the primary meaning of that phrase, to take away, doesn't actually mean to take away. It means to lift up. Because a a branch is one tree, like a vine is one tree that needs to, the branches need to be supported. Amen? And so the, the, the branches are usually, they usually hang on a fence or on a trellis or something like that, but sometimes they slip down and the, 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 the gardener comes along. He doesn't say, oh, will rip that out and take it away. No, he cares for the vine. He cares for the branches and he lifts it up and puts it on something to support it so that it will be exposed to the air and the sunlight and that it will produce fruit. The Father, you know, as we've seen in this passage, the main purpose of the vine is fruitfulness. The Father is determined that we bear fruit. He's going to tend to us and do all that he can to ensure and encourage fruitfulness. Where there is no fruit, he wants to see fruit. Where there is fruit, he wants to see more fruit. Amen? Because the fruit is the life of Jesus that brings glory to the Father. And so that's why the Father loves the vine so much. And so, you know what? You can look at a Christian 
and you can say they've been like that for years never bring never bear any fruit never see any fruit in their lives do you think the father loves that christian less than the branches that are bearing the fruit no we might love them less <laughs> to be honest but the father doesn't he loves that branch just as much he's patient and he's going to continue to his work in that the life of that branch until there is fruitfulness so every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away no he lifts up that's the primary meaning you can you can check that out the primary meaning is he lifts it up and every branch that bears fruit he prunes it that it may bear more fruit now that word prune means to 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 cleanse to cut away anything that's hindering that branch from bringing forth more fruit there's a cleansing that goes on now what's the what's the primary means that god uses to cleanse our lives by the way um, when we talk about cleansing jesus went on to say in the next verse you are already clean and i've given the the answer to my question there by the way you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you that's speaking about our justification you are already clean you can't be any cleaner than you are you are as we heard this morning justified and complete in him amen you are you are perfect you are complete you, you, God has taken you and has joined your spirit to Christ you are one with him as he is so are you that's why John says that that um, a believer cannot sin and does not sin amazing you cannot sin in your spirit you are perfect can you sin in your spirit then Jesus can sin no you are one with him that's settled but the problem is that we have a body that's unredeemed the Bible says sin dwells in our members so there's an ongoing cleansing where we're setting ourselves apart and we're being set apart unto holiness set apart from sin set apart from the old ways that's what Jesus is talking about here let's go back he says uh, every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit now how does he cleanse us through the Word of God through the Word of God you know how it is friends we live in a world that is uh, alien to the things of God anti-God the cosmos system is opposed to everything that's of God and sometimes we pick up the dirt of this world in our thoughts and our, and our minds and our thinkings and, and in our hearts and yet when we come to the word what happens there's a cleansing there's a cleansing of all that dirt amen praise God now um, sometimes God uses chastening to cleanse us I, I like what Charles Spurgeon says he says you know just like the, the gardener has a knife to prune, to cut away that which is not helpful, the word, the blade of the knife is the word of God. But affliction is the handle. Amen? Have you noticed how attentive you are to the word of God when you're going through suffering? <laughs> Somehow it seems sharper. <laughs> Sometimes it seems to have your attention more. <laughs> And, and, and so the two together, the, the, the blade is the word of God, but affliction is the handle of the blade. 
writer of the Hebrews said, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seems best for us, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of holiness. Hallelujah. So God will use that to get our attention. Now, you know, let's be realistic here. So the father is, is caring for the vine, caring for the branches, lifting them up from the ground, pruning, cutting away and so on. But sometimes in our stubbornness we persist in just not responding to what God is doing. In, in fact, let me say this to you friends. Um, as a pastor for 44 years, I've seen some Christians live carnal lives just about all their lives and die as carnal Christians. I'm sure you have too. You know, you, there, there just seems to be so little change in them and, and they die in that state. And, and so in that sense, in that sense, I would say there are many unsaved people that are going to be in heaven. Now you're looking at me saying, trying to work that out. Salvation, remember, is the word sozo, and it's an all-encompassing. It doesn't just mean to have your sins forgiven and have eternal life. It means to be saved from the power of sin as we're going along as well. It includes that. And so we, we, we see here, for example, um, if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, that's our justification, being made right with God, much more, having been reconciled, justified we shall be saved by his life we still need saving i need saving today i need saving tomorrow i need saving the next day amen and, and so we're, we're saved by his life but but sometimes christians persist in their lives right to the end in carnality but know this, the Father is working and working and working. He, but Jesus will never superimpose his life to us. He offers life to us. But he will never superimpose his life to us. Amen. Now, one of the things that the gardener does in this pruning um, is to cut away the shoots from the previous year. Those which did bear fruit then but that was last year okay so if they're not cut away they will take the sap that is meant for the fruit they'll become woody and, and uh, cumbersome you know, an encumbrance I should say and, and uh, detrimental really to fruitfulness in the vine and so the gardener will come with his knife and will cut away the shoots from the previous year's growth. So last year that was good, this year the father says, no, not this year. You know, there's a, there's a tendency in the Christian life as we go along, you know, God blesses us and makes us fruitful. There's a tendency to trust in our fruitfulness for the same thing this year. Do you understand what I'm saying? God, God is always doing something fresh in our lives. Our dependency, see if, if God has blessed me, if I go somewhere and I have a successful seminar or whatever and many people come blessed, there's a temptation that I can say, okay, I know what to do here. Next, next week just do the same thing without depending on the vine, abiding in the vine. Can you see that? 
So God sometimes cuts that away and says, no, we're not going to do that now. We're going to do a, a new thing. You're going to have to trust me again today for new fruitfulness and new growth. That's interesting, isn't it? God always keeps us in a place of abiding in Christ and abiding, uh, which means dependence. Now let's move on. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You know, abiding can become a work if we're not careful. You can start getting into this whole works mentality about abiding in Christ. But it's not a works thing, it's just resting in Jesus. In fact, I I love an illustration that I heard from Michael Wells who actually headed up a ministry called uh, the Abiding Life Ministry. Some of you, I think, have been blessed by his ministry. And um, he said this, you know, when, when a branch is grafted into a vine, uh, there's, there's an incision made in the stem of the vine. Okay, There's a cut made and then the branch is, is tied to where that incision was made. Now at that point two things are happening. One is that shoots or, or, or roots I should say and, and fibres from the branch grow into the vine. But not much. I mean, it's, it's been cut off from where it's come from, the previous vine or, or tree, so it's dying. There's not much strength in that branch. But, but, but that's what's happening. But then the second thing that happens is that the stem sending its sap and its life into the branch at a force of a thousand times more than what the branch is sending into the vine. Do you get that? And so sometimes we think it's all up to us, this abiding thing, I've got to make this thing happen. Now you just consent to say, this is the way to live the Christian life. I can't, but you can. Lord, I need your life. And then he'll do the rest. He'll draw you into himself and you will experience his life flowing through you. Amen? Otherwise it becomes a work. It becomes a big work. Let's look at uh, the next verse here. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. As a branch. See, Jesus is talking about our function. Okay? He's not talking about our eternal life here. He's cleared that up in many other places. And Paul also says that we're saved, we're justified by faith, apart from works, leave works out of the equation. It's very clear in the scripture. All right? He's cast out as a branch. This, this correlates with 1 Corinthians 3. Remember when Jesus spoke about, no other foundation can anyone lay but that which is laid, but you build on that foundation and, and uh, that will be tested by fire. So, If it's not done through Christ, it will be burned up. Jesus is only saying what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. He is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So works can be burned up. Works we we thought were good and impressive, but they were done in the power of the flesh, not through abiding in Christ. Then they will end up being burned. Now, to abide simply means to rest in Christ. 
simply means to rest in Christ, to, to acknowledge that everything I need, he supplies. I think it was Augustine that prayed a prayer. Lord, give what you command, then command what you will. In other words, I don't care what you ask of us as long as you give it to us. <laughs> Whatever you ask of us, you've got to do that work in us. We can't do it. So give what you command, then command whatever you like. And what Jesus commands is something that you and I can never do. You know? To turn the other cheek, to love your neighbor, uh, to, to love your enemies and, and, and all those things. We can't do that in our own strength, but he can. So to abide means to rest in the knowledge that he's got it all under control. You know, Paul said this, he said, It is of him, of the Father, that you are in Christ, who is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Amen. Everything you need, he supplies. There's a church that had that, I think I've said this before, placard, Christ is the answer. And somebody wrote in graffiti underneath, what was the question? Christ is the answer. What was the question? Well, friends, whatever the need, Christ is the answer. Amen? And so we just rest in him. And he is all that we will ever need. I don't know what your problem is. All I know is that Christ is the answer. I don't know what your need is right now. All I know is that Christ is the answer. If you are trusting in yourself, if you are looking to someone else, you are not abiding in Christ. But if you trust in him, he will be unto you all that you need. Amen. Sometimes when I go uh, overseas, um, sometimes I, I have to stop over halfway or, or, or even some of the places I go to, they just put me in a motel and get, get a cab, go to the hotel and we'll catch up with you there. So just imagine, you know, you've, you've, many of you have gone through international flights. It can be a bit of an ordeal. You know, you, you, you get through customs and you've got the, the baggage thing, next thing, and uh, you're waiting for your baggage to come round and you get nervous at times when you see everyone else take their baggage. <laughs> but there it is, there it is. Oh, thank you. So you get it, off you've got to lift it off and even though you've got these, these little wheels casters on, you drag it through and you, you, know, you lift it up onto the screening thing and through it goes, you pick it up the other end and you carry it through. Sometimes you go down escalators or lifts or whatever. Eventually, anyway, you get outside the airport and you get a cab, right? And so the, the taxi driver comes out and he flicks the, the boot and he says, here, let me put that into the boot. Now, what do you think he would think if I said to him, oh no, I can't expect you to take me and my baggage. That's really expecting too much. No, that's really, I've got no expectation there whatsoever. Just leave it here. He'd think, hey, that's crazy. But you know, some Christians live like that. They want Jesus to take care of the eternal life or salvation, forgiveness thing, get us into heaven and be sure that we're going to heaven but live hell on earth. Jesus said put it, the whole thing in. Baggage and all. Whatever your baggage is, friends, God knew about it. Amen? You didn't surprise Jesus when he saved you. 
and, and, and whatever the need is that you see in your life that you need to change, don't you take that on board. You're not, dra- you're not lumping this luggage through the Christian life. Jesus says, get in the cab, put that in as well, and let's go. Amen? Because the problem is that you can think that change is your responsibility. The Bible says that as we look to Jesus, we are being changed. We are being, something is happening in us. Who's doing the changing? He is. But I tell you what, if you go to some Christian bookshops and you look through the books, you can think that change is all our job. Seven steps to. Three tips to. How to. And it becomes just a, a self-change thing. God's word actually is not change but exchange. Exchange your life for his life. That's the authentic Christian life we're speaking about. Amen? Um, God said to Israel through Hosea, your fruit is found in me. And it's like that in the Christian life. To the Philippians, Paul says, we are being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen. We do the abiding. He does the producing. Amen. So People are very confused. Some people think they are the vine. Our job is not to produce fruit. We cannot produce fruit. Our job is to abide in Christ. To rest in Him. To trust in Him. To commit it to Him. To leave it to Him. And then we bear fruit. Branches bear fruit. They do not produce fruit. Amen. You are not the branch. And, and furthermore, oh, sorry, you're not the vine. You're the branch. And furthermore, some other Christian is not the vine dresser. Because <laughs> you've always got those people that want to just come around and tidy up and just make sure everything's all right. <laughs> No, no. The father is the gardener. And let's get this clear. You can say that to him. Excuse me. The father's the gardener. <laughs> Jesus is the vine. Let me say that to you. You cannot produce fruit. Otherwise that becomes works, dead works. You're the branches. So just hang loose. <laughs> just rest in him. Just trust in him. And he will do it. He will produce the fruit. How did we get onto that? I must have touched the... Did I touch any others? Yes, I did. Okay. All right, here we go then. We're going to finish up in verse 8. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's amazing. But you see, you've got to look at that in the context. If you abide in me, my words, that's the word remata, from which we get the word rhema, Rhema, it's not the Logos. Okay, he's not saying abide in the Bible, but abide in his words, his instructions to us. This is what I love about the Christian life. It's so different to the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, there was a set of instructions for everyone. Okay? But under the New Covenant, we have a relationship, like we heard this morning. We have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And what he says to me about my role today in life is different to what he says to you. 
Now, I won't interfere with your, what, what he says to you. Don't you interfere with what he says to me. I know my priorities. I know what God is ask, asking me to do between me and him. Amen? And if you abide in him uh, and his words, just walk in his instructions for you, being led by the Spirit, your relationship with him, amen, then you can ask what you will. Of course you can, because you're doing his will. Amen? And it shall be done for you. I mean, I'll give you an illustration. We know that God, God's will was for us to go to Africa and to, to start this ministry, and, and it's, it's, it's just going with his blessing upon it. We're just standing back watching what's happening. We have a need right now. Is it my problem? No. It's his problem. And so we can ask him what we desire. Lord, we ask you to meet that need. We know he will meet that need. He's met every need up until this point. And he will continue to do that because we're abiding in him. Our will is aligned with his will. Our heart with his heart. We have the thoughts of Christ. We have his words abiding in us. Amen? Praise God. Let's finish up in verse 8. Uh, Sorry, this is, this is um, John, John chapter 8 where Jesus said, that's how it worked in my life. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. Jesus is talking to the Jews. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. I have a relationship with my father. He, you know, I, I can only do those things which he tells me to do. I can't do anything except that which he tells me to do, but I can do that. And look at the harvest that's come from just being obedient to the Father. And in a similar way, we relate to Jesus. He is the vine, we are the branches. And when we have his word abiding in us, his instructions, and we walk in that, then we know we can ask what we like concerning that, and it shall be done. Okay, let's finish up then with verse 8 this morning. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. There's a difference between being a disciple and a believer. If you want to be saved, you need to be a believer. If you want to bear fruit, you need to be a disciple. If you want to be a disciple, you abide in the vine. Amen? Want to be a disciple? Want to be fruitful? There's no greater joy than to see the fruitfulness that he produces in us the branches that we bear that fruit for the glory of the Father. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you love each one of us as your branches, that you have a purpose and a role for each of us. And Lord, we thank you that that role and that purpose is that we bear much fruit and that that fruit remains. We thank you for that, Lord. You've given us significance in our lives. You've given us purpose. And we just pray that for each one of us we'll know the joy of living this authentic Christian life which is just to rest in who we are in Jesus and who he is in us and just enjoying this abundant life of fruitfulness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.